We began a few weeks ago on this series we're calling The Ministry of Reconciliation and how we've been given this ministry. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Praise God. Is there any connection between the anointing and blessing and unity? In this passage there is. And it talks about how how good it is and how pleasant it is, how enjoyable it is to dwell together in unity. Brethren to dwell together in unity. Well, the opposite could be said about strife. How bad it is. How unpleasant it is to live together, and or be separated by strife and contention and fighting. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever experienced, or maybe you know somebody who's who's had problems with fighting and fussing and contention. Do you know anybody? Have you heard about this? It's unpleasant. Unpleasant. Can be tormenting. Strife is a taste of hell because it is the environment of hell. It's not just the flames that make hell, hell. It's the absence of God, the absence of light and love and grace and peace and joy. You don't want to be in a place where there's no peace, no joy, no light, no life. That's hell. And hell is real. It's not some myth. It's real. Heaven is real. And uh, God's not sending people to hell. I actually heard uh, there was a this internationally known interview show, and this interviewer was interviewing a, a well-known famous minister, and he was trying to put him on the spot, saying, "If uh, if God's love, how can a God who is love send people to hell?" And um, so they were wrestling with that a little bit, and so I. I just, while I heard it, I said, Lord, what's the best way to answer this? You know, I, I think I know a couple of things about it, but there's so much more to know. What, what, what's the best way to answer such a question? And as I, before I could finish speaking, it came up clearly in my spirit. I heard these words. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very clearly in my spirit, like he'll speak to any Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, Keith, it's not my choice. 
Is that true or not? Yes. Keith, it's not my choice. This is something a lot of people have not believed. God is not controlling everybody and everything. He has really given us a free will. And he'll let you choose to your own destruction if that's what you insist on doing. It's not God's choice. But if people are not going to receive him, if they're going to identify and yield to God's enemy, do you want them living by you throughout eternity? So what are we going to do with them? Well, it's not our responsibility. But they have to be separated from us. And they're separated with the ones they chose to be with. It wasn't God's choice. It was their choice. Have you made the right choice? How many have chosen the Lord, the Savior, Jesus, and not the enemy? We, We choose him. Well, you choose him. He reveals that he has chosen you then uh, our name's in the Lamb's book of life and they're working on our place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. They're working on your place. You are a part of the eternal forever family of God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to hell. You say, well, you you hope you're not. No, I'm not. I'm not going. (laughs) Why why would you say it like that? Because it's my faith in Jesus that keeps me from going. And faith is confident. And it's not because I'm living such a perfect life. It's because he has paid the price. He took my place. He went there. So I don't have to go there. I'm not going. How about you? Who's going to hell? I'm not going. (laughs) I was hoping you didn't raise your hand. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please, and verse 1. Ephesians 4 and 1. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Ephesians 4, 2 now. With all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Everybody say endeavoring. Endeavoring, endeavoring implies effort. Making an effort to do what? Keep the unity of the Spirit. Endeavoring to keep unity and peace. You have to make an effort to do it. Doesn't just happen automatically. And uh, we don't know everything. And our friends and family don't know everything. And uh, we've all got flesh to deal and contend with. And there are opportunities every day to get into strife, to fuss, to fight. And there is supernatural influences to do this. The enemy 
is continually trying to influence us to fight each other. And it's sad that we've been so clueless as to how the enemy's been playing us. There are times if we develop and grow up some, we'd realize, I've just got this irritated feeling come on me. And these words, these sharp words that keep coming to my mind. Well, where's that coming from? In case after case, that's not coming from the inside of you. It's coming from the outside to influence you. And he's doing the same thing with them. Whether it's your spouse, your roommate, your sibling, your co-worker, or somebody you're with in church or whatever. He's always trying to start something. And if we just had the maturity and the spiritual awareness to look at each other and go, wait up, wait up now. The devil's trying to get us to fight. Is that right? And both of us, instead of fighting each other, turn on him. Come on, can you see that? We'd be getting somewhere, brother. Right? Because he just laughs when we say whatever crosses our mind and start problems. When we just yield to whatever goofy feelings he brings. And stir up all kind of strife and mess up our day, mess up our fellowship, block our prayer life, among other things. I'm quoting scripture. He just, the devil just laughs that we are so easy to manipulate. (laughs) But we're learning. We're not ignorant of his devices. And we're going to catch us. I believe I'm prophesying. We're going to catch ourselves, right? Spouses, families, siblings, co-workers, we're going to catch ourselves and go, wait, 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 wait. I'm not your problem. <laughs> You're not my problem. We know who the problem is, right? So we're going to turn and team. Team up and turn on him. Resist him and he'll leave. But you got to think right and you got to make the right choice. When it's going on. He said endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Skip down to verse 31 in the same fourth chapter. It says let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Can you put it away even though you feel like this? Yes you can. We are not slaves to our sentiments. We're not slaves to our feelings. Come on, you need to say that out loud. I'm not a slave slave to my emotions emotions and to my feelings. feelings. See, being spiritual means you don't just act like you feel. You analyze this feeling and you say, where did this come from? Do I have a right to think this way? Or feel this way. Well I just feel so. Yeah but you're, that feeling could be so wrong. You don't yield. To everything you feel. Have you learned that child of yes, God? Yes, yes. You don't yield. To every thought that comes across your mind. Or every feeling. You have to assess them. And go no nah, this is not right. Even though you do feel that way. It doesn't mean you have a right to feel that way. 
or that you're right at all. It could be that you need to clamp down on this and resist this and tell it to get out of here. You're not yielding to this. You're not responding to this. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking with all malice. Let it be put away. Put away. Verse 32. And instead of that, be ye kind one to another. It's a choice. This world is not a kind place. Have you found it out? (laughs) The ungodly world is not kind. This is one of the great indicators that you're a child of God. That you have the love of God in your heart. Is that you are kind. And kindness is a choice. It's not a feeling. I said it's not a feeling. You you can be kind when you feel like letting somebody have it. When you really are upset and irritated, it's kindness not to let them have it. Isn't it? Even if they've really messed up on some things. If you bite your lip, and instead of yelling and screaming, you talk softly, right? And instead of just cutting them off and writing them off, marking them out of your book, you say, well, I'm going to give this some time. Pray on this. Somebody say kind, kind. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. Somebody say tenderhearted. What's the opposite of being tenderhearted? Hardhearted. Hardhearted. Don't be hardhearted. It doesn't make you a man. It doesn't make you strong. Or it doesn't make you a strong woman to be hard. You know. And, and you may have to realize that your parents may have taught you some bad stuff. Oh, you got to be hard. Got to be hard, honey, because it's a hard old world. And you got to be hard. Nah, not if you're godly. You can be strong, very strong, without being hard. It actually takes a lot more strength to be kind than it does to be cruel. A lot more strength. A lot more grace. And it's something that this world is so devoid of. And it is a shining light. When the Lord has enabled you, especially in a stressful, tense situation, helps you to be gracious. Has anybody ever been gracious with you when you did not deserve it? When if you'd have got what you had coming, you're in trouble. Did it bless you? Oh, oh, hallelujah. Well, you want to sow that. You want to be that to other people. You want to be kind. Doesn't mean you have to compromise. It just means you're not harsh and you're not hard. You're kind. You know, one of the great things we need to understand, I'm not the judge. Nor are you. I don't have to judge you. I'm told not to. I don't have to judge everything that happens. A lot of times the people ask, what do you think about that? You need to say, I don't. (laughs) I'm not letting myself. Why? Because it's not my call. It may be glaringly obvious that what was done was wrong and bad 
in line with the word, but you don't know their heart. You don't know what they knew, what they didn't know, how they saw it. You and I are unqualified to judge because we don't know people's hearts. Even people you've lived with for decades, you don't know their heart. You know a little bit about it, but you don't know. That's why the Lord says, don't judge. Leave it to me. And so I, it's such freedom that I don't have to judge everything. Right? I don't even have to form an opinion. Right? I'm commanded not to judge. And a lot of things you need to just need to come back and say, well, that's between them and the Lord. He knows their heart. But uh, I don't have to judge them. I am told to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This flows into the next chapter there, chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Other translations say be imitators of God as dear children. He's kind to the ungodly. He's merciful to the unrighteous and unjust and ungodly. If he can be as pure and holy as he is, surely we can be. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor or fragrance. Now, what we're seeing, if you back up to the second chapter of Ephesians, while we're talking about the ministry of reconciliation, how could God be gracious and kind to such evil and iniquity that's been perpetrated throughout the earth. It's because of reconciliation that is available because of redemption. Redemption. We were, from going back to Adam and Eve, we were separated from God by our sin. Them being driven out of the garden is representative of that. They had direct access to the Almighty. And they were comfortable and free in His presence. How could you be in the presence of eternal light and total purity? They had no sin, no knowledge of sin. And zero condemnation or guilt. None. Amazing. We don't have to just look back and long for that. Because that's our future. It's our present and our future. What do you mean? Well, God who knows the end from the beginning. Knew the way it would go. Even though it wasn't his will and didn't please him. And he has a plan. A plan to reconcile man back to himself, to take care of everything that had come up between us and remove it out of the way. I'm quoting scripture. Jesus did that for us. He fixed what was wrong between us and the Father. Hallelujah. He took care of it. Woo. That's why they call it the good news. It's 
best news you ever heard in your life. Man was so separated from God and was unable to fix it. We, I mean, even in the uh, offerings that were instituted under the law, they did not cleanse you from sin. They didn't fix the problem. All they did, animal blood couldn't do it. It just covered the sin until the next year, until the next sacrifice. But uh, in the New Testament, New Covenant, our sins are not covered. They are washed away. Oh, hallelujah. Because the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, is not like the blood of animals. It contains the eternal life of God, and He shed it to cleanse us and wash us from our sins. You don't have to understand all that. Just believe it and accept it and enjoy the benefits of it. Thank you, Lord. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 13. Boy, the more I preach on this, the more it grows. I'm still reading our text. Are you hooked with me? Are we, we going to get to where we need to go, right? You may have to come back. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of the Anointed One. The Christ. If you've ever had a relationship of any closeness and intensity, and then you, you've been close with somebody, and then you've had problems with them, you experienced this distance. It's possible to be in the same room with somebody and feel like you're a thousand miles apart. I see a lot of nodding heads. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's possible to be at the same table with somebody and feel like you're 100 miles apart because spiritually you are. You were together, not just geographically, but together, one mind, one accord, unity. Spiritually, but now you're at odds with each other and you are far off. That's where we were with God. And sadly, it's where millions are right now on the planet. They are far from Him. They are afar off. They don't know Him, they don't experience Him. Many of them don't even believe in Him, believe He exists. And so they are far, far from him, and yet could be close so quickly. They, they could be close so quickly if they would humble themselves and believe and receive him, receive what he's done. You who sometimes were far off are made nigh, nigh means close, by the blood of Christ. Say it out loud. I've been made close by the blood of the Lamb. Have you read Hebrews? It says we can now come boldly right up to the throne of grace. Oh, we, we really don't know what that is. <laughs> it is 
the seat of power of the universe and beyond. All the power that keeps gravity working. We don't even know what, what I just said there. All the power that keeps all the stars burning emanates from the throne. All things are upheld by the word of his power. Glory to God. And to say, I can walk right up to there. (laughs) You're saying something. You're saying something. Because unrighteous man or woman cannot. But if you've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, then you who are far off are made nigh. Hallelujah. And what does the scripture say? If you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Glory to God. No man, no woman, no young person has to be distant from God. Has to be at odds with God. Because Jesus has become, hallelujah, that which reconciled us. Keep reading. You who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. It was the only thing in the universe that was valuable enough to pay for our sin. The wages of sin is death. And the righteousness of God required it to be paid. It had to be paid. But it didn't say we had to pay it. Hallelujah. Somebody else could pay it. And Jesus did. And now this is something that that reveals your and my value to him. We are called the apple of his eye. The scripture says that the preciousness of of a soul ceases forever. Now that's King James language, but it, it, it has to do with there is no amount of money that equates the value of one human soul. There's no amount of money, no trillions of dollars that would be enough to buy. In fact, there was only one thing in all the universe that was valuable enough To buy us. That's what redeem means. To buy or to buy back. And it was and is. That's why it's called the precious blood of the Lamb. Why? Because the life is in the blood. The life. It was was and is the life of God. And the Bible said that blood is speaking today. From off the mercy seat in heaven. The blood speaks. And it's saying better things than Abel's blood. Because Abel's blood was crying out for justice. From what Cain did to him and killed him. But Jesus' blood is not saying, I demand justice. Jesus' blood is saying, justified. They are justified. They are redeemed. Hallelujah. Righteous. Holy. By the blood. I'm not far off. I'm nigh. I'm brought near. Oh, keep reading. 
He is our peace, verse 14. Who's our peace? Who made peace between us and God, the Father? Jesus is our peace, who's made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You've experienced, if you've had trouble with people, there's like a wall between you. Your mistakes, their mistakes, your hard words, their hard words, your failures, their failures. The reason I'm talking about this, we're going to get to it in a minute, I think. <laughs> I don't think, do you think we need to rush past this? No, this is, this is the foundation of it all. Not only have we been reconciled to God, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have the job and the ministry of helping others realize they don't have to be separated from God. And brothers and sisters don't have to be separated from one another. We got the ministry of getting back together. We do. We are anointed and graced to help people get back to God or get to God. Our people get back together. Now you can't control every situation. I'm not saying that we'll see that further as we go, but you shouldn't just not even try. You should believe. They can get back to God right now. Right? They can receive forgiveness. They can be cleansed. They can be saved right now. Some of them, not some, the worst people on the planet that have been the meanest and the most cruel and done the most horrible things. You get them saved, clean, filled with the Spirit. They could be your best buddy for the rest of your life. I'm telling you. And you can be a facilitator of them getting back to God. Because you and I have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Jesus is our peace, who's made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Enmity is that which is the animosity, that which is between you and them. Jesus killed it. He killed the animosity. He broke down the wall. And it doesn't matter who you are or who your people are. Jewish, Gentile, makes no difference. Everybody without Jesus is apart from God. And he has broken down the wall. Oh, thank you, Lord. The, the epistles are full of this, what we're talking about. This is the heart of what we call the Pauline revelation is, is God's revelation that he gave through Brother Paul. In verse 18, through him we both have access. Oh boy, that's a word. Access by one spirit to the Father. Somebody say, I have access, I have access. to the Father. 
Whew. I have access to the Father. Jesus said, in fact, just go to John. John 16, verse 26. Everybody say access. I have access to the Father. The things we're talking about, some of it's recorded in the book of Psalms, that the angels who are much mightier in power than us made remark and said, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you you put him over all the works of your hand? What is man? The angels were looking at each other going, what is this? What is this man? We don't get to do this. Forever we are the redeemed ones. We're special. Very special. In God's creation. We're not just servants of God. We're sons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's male and female sons. Somebody say sons of God. I I am. I am. A son of God. God. And as a son of God, I have direct access. I have direct access to my Father, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm his child. The Bible said in 1 John that it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, Jesus, we'll see him as he is and we're like him. We're like him. When we see him in all of his glory returning, we're going to be amazed at him. But there's something else we're going to be amazed at. We're going to be in awe and amazement. Then we're going to go. Woo! And he's going to say, I told you, I told you. (laughs) As he is, so are we. We're not with him in heaven yet, but we're in this world. But as he is, so are we. I want you to say it out loud. As he is, is. so am I. I. Well, he, Jesus has direct access to the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing at odds between Jesus and the Father. There's no enmity. There's no distance. There's zero distance between them. As he is, so am I, even though I'm in this world. Now your head will say, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh, but you're forgetting about the blood. The blood has removed the wall Killed the enmity and brought you close. And right before Jesus left, this is what he told the disciples and us in in John 16, 26. He said, at that day, and this is the day now we're, we're in this day, you shall ask in my name. I say not to you that I will pray the Father for you. 
You should never pray to a saint and ask them to pray the Father for you. No. Why? Because you have direct access. <laughs> Somebody's getting something here. To the Father. See, praying to a saint is acting like you're not good enough to go directly to the Father. Well, you in and of yourself are not, were not, would not be. That's why Jesus had to make you (laughs) acceptable. Right? In that day, you'll ask in my name, I say not to you that I will pray the Father for you. If Jesus himself says, I'm not going to have to relay your prayers. Why in the world would you look to any other man or woman to relay your prayers, including Jesus' mother? I says, ooh, Brother Keith, where is it in the scriptures? Show me one verse about praying to Jesus' mother. No. We have direct access to come boldly, not arrogantly, not arrogantly, but confidently, confidently to the very throne of grace to obtain mercy and get grace to help in the time of need. Oh, friend, it'll help you so much to quit looking to men and women, dead or alive. If a man or woman gives you some good counsel, it's because they got it from him. You can go straight to the source. You can go straight to the source. Now sure, receive good things that God gives you through people, especially your elders, but don't think you're dependent on their prayers and their faith. Don't think you have to go through Another man or woman. There's one God. And one mediator. Am I quoting scripture? One mediator. Oh come on somebody say one mediator. Now somebody needs to see the verse. Okay. Go to 1 Timothy. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. 1 Timothy 2. Boy I didn't intend to get in all this. But is it true? Yes. Is it Bible? First yes. Timothy 2, verse 5. How many believe the Bible? Yes. That wasn't everybody. Yes. <laughs> You're turning, I understand. You're turning, finding scripture. <laughs> First Timothy 2, 5 says what? There's what? How many gods? People say, well, you know, we need to be respectful of other people's religions. No, we do not. You don't have to try to cram yours down their throat. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be, you know, impossible to get along. But no, uh, to respect other gods is to disrespect your God. No. There's what? One God. One God. And what? How many? Now, a mediator is somebody between. 
One mediator. How many? One. How many? One. What about all the saints? No. Thank God for them. But don't you use them as a mediator. Don't you try to go through them. Don't you try to get them to pray for you. You don't have any scripture for it. Between one mediator, one, between God and men, who is that? Who is that? The one and the only Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Christ Jesus. One mediator. One. Only one. And you know what your one mediator said to you? Go back to John. John 16, 26, at that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not to you that I will pray the Father for you. He said, I'm not saying that. For the Father himself loves you. Oh, friends, we we barely have any concept of what this means. You talk about an awesome being. What kind of being can create the galaxy? What kind of being? What kind of being can do this? Create your brain, your spirit, oxygen, gravity. What what kind of being? We, We have so little concept of how big he is. How awesome he is. How big he is. And he. Himself. Loves you. He knows you. And he loves you. Because. You've accepted his son. And you've received the one he sent. And believe what he said. He himself loves you. Because. You have loved me. And have believed that I came out from God. How many love Jesus? I, w- I want to see a hand. I, how many love Jesus? I want to hear it. I, somebody say, I love you, Lord Jesus. And do you believe that Jesus came out from God? He was sent by the Father to be the propitiation for the sins of all the world. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He loves you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Verse 20, back up to verse 24. This was based on this. He said, hitherto, uh, well, excuse me, I need to back up a little bit more. Verse, Verse 23, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Direct access. Direct access. Hitherto, He says it again, you've asked nothing in my name. Now, while they were with Him and traveling with Him, they never did this. Because, see, He's still on the earth. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't, hadn't paid it. He, but He said in a few verses later, in that day, we living in that day. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. 
In that day, verse 26, you'll ask in my name. I say not, I'll pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. Somebody say, the Father himself loves me. He's my Father. I am his child. And because of what Jesus has done, I have direct access to him, to his throne. Hallelujah. New Testament, New Covenant prayer is directly to the Father. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. And He hears you directly because you can do it because He, Jesus' work has removed all the enmity and everything that was ever between you and Him. So now, by that blood, by your faith in it, there's nothing between you and him. Now, if you do something to violate your conscience today or tomorrow, acknowledge it quickly. Repent it quick of it quickly and receive the cleansing and the washing and you are restored again. Just don't walk in defiance, but immediately receive and you will stay where you are near him And nothing between you and him. Oh praise God. Thank you Father. Let's lift our hands. Just lift your hands and say thank you Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.